If you live in Chicago, you know Man Cow, huge media personality, morning host on 97.9 The Loop. I've worked with Man Cow off and on through the years, and for this and the next episode of Carcon Carne, I've welcomed Man Cow to the front seat of my Mazda 3 for my dinner with Man Cow, an intimate conversation over hot dogs. This is part one. It's Carcon Carne. And today we're in Wilmette at yeah. Irving's for Red Hot Lovers. Uh, joined in. It sounds like it's a panty store and a sex toy, a lotions and potions store. It's a hot dog stand. It's a hot dog stand and a panty store. And it's not my favorite hot dog stand. And Mancow is yeah. sitting shotgun. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite hot dog stand? And well, here's another question. Yeah. How do you determine what makes a good hot dog? I mean, we all kind of think we know, but aren't they all kind of the same? No, they're really? not all the same. No, they are not all the same. That's a ridiculous statement. Uh, I is would is say this a, how we're starting? Yeah, no, okay. a Gene and Jude's is, is way different from a uh, a Superdog. Superdog is the experience, the fries on top of the bun, uh, those, those uh, tomatoes. Portillo's used to have the best hot dog. It had a pop. It had a snap. It was mass-produced, but it, Portillo's was the best. And I don't know if you felt it, but since they have gone corporate, since they sold out, Chicago company, since they sold out, they've cut corners, and there's a waxy taste now that Portillo's didn't have, so... Superdog for the experience is number one. I like Gene and Jude's. I don't get why anyone would go to Wiener Circle. Uh, you know, these big, fat slugs showing you their breasts. I, I don't get the novelty. Um, I actually moved to Wilmette to get away from that nonsense. So, I don't know. The best hot dog. Well, you, I don't know. So, here we are in Wilmette. Yeah. In the new hood. Yeah. And you said it about Superdog. It is the experience. It's the, the pulling oh, it's the up best. and having that. The I Whopper think, cheese at the bottom of my all-beef heart. Oh, it's great. I think you said it, though. I think the fries make the hot dog. More so than the hot dog. Yeah, no, it's, the hot dog's not that great. Listen, and then, you know, Mr. Beef, uh, I, you know, I love Mr. Beef. That's the greatest. Alpine is really good. Johnny's is really good. Uh, La Scarola for Italian food. I can go on and on. I went to a new place called Joy District. If you're talking high-end for, for your wife, you know, you want, a little, uh, you want a little romance in the pants, you take her there. It's very sexy. I think my favorite cuisine is bar food, really. So where would you go? I don't know. I, I, I'm very low budget. Jalapeno poppers make me happy. I love them. Hackney's. There's oh, my ha- God. There's Hackney's down the street here on Harms I go well, to. Well, Hackney's has that brick of onion rings. Oh, the brick of onion rings. And you know what? It reassembles itself when you take a shit. The next day. <laughs> it looks exactly the same. It's like a game of Tetris coming yes, out there. Yes. Uh, so, Man Cow, I got to say, I love it. You're doing mornings yeah. on the loop. Yeah, I'm having a ball. I was listening yeah. last week. You had uh, Zach Wilde and Carmine Apice. The, the great studio. drummer, one of the greatest living drummers. We were talking Krupa and Buddy Rich and all kinds of good stuff off the air. Well, <laughs> I'm sure. One of the things I've always liked about your show is kind of what happened there. Excuse me. You have those those yeah. worlds colliding. I do love that. I do love it. Look, the best, the best was, the best one of that, as you unwrap your weenie, the best was Jack Welsh of GE is on. And Perry Farrell walks in to announce the first wait, 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 GE General Electric, General Electric, the company. GE. Jack Welsh, one of the most you don't know Jack Welsh. Anyway, one of the big CEOs, one of the most successful men in America. And he was doing a radio show. Yeah, and Perry Farrell walks in to announce the first Lollapalooza, and he goes, "Oh, Jack Welsh, gee, yeah, I, uh, my first car was a Nova," and uh, Jack Welsh just goes, "That's GM," (laughs) and I just loved it. So there's been a lot of those moments, you know, Wesley Willis with Kurt Cobain. I mean, just bizarre stuff that happened over the years. 
So the question is, you've been doing this yeah. for a very long time. Since 1986. Are you still having fun? Yeah. I, look, I, I, I don't, you know, people didn't care. I guess I didn't care. I quit two Octobers ago, and uh, the loop called me. The suits called me. You've been talking with them. You've probably been talking with the same people. You, you, you fill in there. I do. Okay. Same suits. And, uh, you know, actually they change a lot. But, you know, look, these have been nice guys. I, I, but, you know, if the, the first calls were you must feel awful, you must feel like a loser, you must be going crazy, a guy like you got to be I said, no, I don't miss it. <laughs> I didn't. And I walked away, left all my equipment, left a TV show, left uh, Excuse me? some radio stations, and I was done. And I didn't miss it. And my big fear... My big fear the first day was that I would miss it. My big fear, oh, handing me a napkin. Absolutely. I haven't made a mess yet. I've, I'm making the mess. I'm just trying anyway, to be preemptive. The, uh, yeah, my, my, I mean, my first break on the air, the first time I spoke on the air is what that means. The first time I spoke on the air, I was worried that I would never get to do it again. And I just loved it. So my big fear was always that I wouldn't get to do it because I, I just, I love it. And I've been offered TV and all kinds of other stuff. Um, car dealerships with my brother. Uh, you know, all kinds of things where I could make money, but I just I just love it. Um, and I, I didn't have the same kind of affection for TV, and I don't have the same kind of affection for the Internet. I just love radio. Well, you, you're very good at it. And what, what people don't realize when they hear your show, it is a very physical show in that you are manipulating. You're like a, a symphony conductor. I mean, sometimes members of the symphony are yeah. slow or, or off-center. But you are conducting a symphony. Well, it is like that, and I, I've I've heard that from people. Uh, Brad Cobb of the Mercury News said I'm like a lion in a cage, the way they pace back and forth, and I pace listening to others and then pounce when it's my time, uh, which I think is is right. I stand. Uh, the other people sit. Other people have engineers that run the boards for them. I right. saw this guy, a Murphy, who I've never heard. I, I I know he's been around a long time. Never heard his show, but I know he has somebody run his board, which I can't imagine. Which means. Just for the, I'm sure people know what this means, but you know everything is controlled, and he sits there. I control all the little buttons and everything. And, well, and don't uh, you, you don't listen to competition? You don't listen to what else happens on on the radio? You know, I haven't listened to another radio show in a decade, and I just did. It's funny you say this because I just did a few days ago for the first time, and I was shocked at how awful it was. I have such an urgency. I want to tell you that the new the new reality of my world and your world is really awful. Uh, I'm having fun. I don't care. I don't. I don't need to do it. So it's. But if you really think about it, radio is two scoops, as Jeff Garland would say, two scoops of suck. And let me explain. <laughs> I sat down. I sat down with some experts, and you have you have eight seconds. You have eight seconds, James. Eight seconds. Eight seconds. I can't be clever in that amount of time. No, you have eight seconds. That's it. They're going to get, and maybe not even that. They're, the song's ending. The commercial's ending. Right, you have that, eight, here we go. You have that, eight seconds. That smell, Leonard Skinner down the loop. Uh, you, you, I'll never forget the first time I smelled a dead person. I'll never forget it. You know, uh, which reminds me of when my brothers <laughs> met Elvis and watched him have sex in his hotel at the Hilton in Vegas. I'll never forget that story. And it's, you know that, you know but that, that sounds crazy. No, no, I know, but it's a, it's a, it's a true story. But, but that's not my point. My point is you have eight seconds, and it's horrific. And it's, it's, it's a horrific way to try to do whatever I do around 25 hours of radio a week. It's, it's, you have eight seconds, and you better have a commercial, and you, or you better have a sound. You better, have, you better shift top. You better, <laughs> or you better be uh, you better, uh, happy or sad, or, and you better do it. Uh, uh, goldfish is nine seconds. Human beings of Chicago are eight seconds. So when I listen to other shows, they're just kind of sleeping. They're kind of getting around to it, and I just, I, I, 
it's I feel sorry for them. Well, and you kind of touched on something. Morning radio is a lost art. I mean, but, it's just a, a but, dead art to, to but, some extent. Wait, wait. But having said that, any sense of, of subtlety, any sense of shades of gray, any sense of, I, I, you know, Billy on the show, Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins said, subtle? There's, you, there's not a subtle second in your life. No, I can't <laughs> be subtle. I've got to clobber, clobber you. you. You've got to know who's talking. That's another thing that turns people off. That's why I've got to say I'm talking to James Van Osdall. I'm I'm talking to uh, Kathy the Greek. I'm talking to, you know, Zach Wilde from Ozzy's band. You have to identify people. Mm-hmm. If they don't know who's talking, they turn it off. If And if you don't keep me interested every eight seconds, you're done. There are people who kind of think of you as the boogeyman. Yeah, really? Oh, come on. You know, thinking about this interview and thinking about hanging out with you, I would like to ask you about it. And, you know, Robert Feeder, the great radio writer, probably the greatest radio writer of all time, you know, thinks that I, I live in this Walter Mitty kind of world, and, and he's right. I don't get it. I don't get why other people don't like me, and yet he says, you bash them every day. You talk, you say horrible things about people. But, why? but I, I, I don't know why. I still think, well, it's a show. It's pro wrestling. Yes. Of course they like me. Why wouldn't they? And, and they don't, and I don't understand it. I, I want to be loved like everybody else, you know? Well, it's interesting. You don't. You never bash the listeners. I mean, really, unless they come at you. Unless you've they're always, stupid. I right. can't handle stupidity. But you've always and had a respect worse. for the audience. I mean, oh, when I hear yeah. you, when I hear you bashing people, it's people on the show, and that's the pro wrestling side of it. That's well, the, that's the performance of it. You know, one of my characters was the Muller Man, which was a pro wrestler. Oh yeah, the Muller Man. This is the '80s man. <laughs> you know, I was my real name's Eric Muller, so I was EM and the PM. I was Holy Moly, Holy Moly Muller. Do you still have tapes of you from back then? Uh, I, I don't think so. I haven't saved anything. I A guy saw my old Greatest Broadcaster of the Year award from Billboard. Pretty big award. I mean, I beat out everybody. Um, sold it at a garage sale and picked it up for me. I do have that back. He got it for $4. I gave it to somebody. You know, I walked off the set of uh, Kingpin. Bill Murray gave me his shoes, signed, his bowling shoes. I handed them to somebody. I walked out of an interview with Metallica. And uh, I had gotten a, they had given me a signed guitar. And I, the guy said, I'll give you $7,000 right now. I believe And that. I went, sold. And I walked out of a, a, a Megadeth interview. It, it was the biggest crowd I was ever in front of. It was a 70,000-person crowd. Ankeny Air Force Base, the Man Cow Luau. 70,000 people. And I've, I've never experienced anything like that. Anyway, um, this Flying V cow hair-covered guitar... Mustaine, very sweaty, gave it to me. And I walked off stage, and somebody said, I love Megadeth. Oh, look at that. That's the guitar. That's in the video. That's And I gave it to him. Are you just not into material things? And, and he has really uh, never forgiven me. Never forgiven me. Uh, you know, it depends. It depends. I mean, I love my precious moment statues. No. I, <laughs> uh, look, I am in collecting. I am into collecting. But then I'm into getting rid of and collecting more. It's really weird. I had one of the Batmobiles. I had uh, most of the costumes from a TV show called Lost in Space. Sure. I had one of the Lost in Space robots. I had Tweaky the robot from Buck Rogers. Oh, get out. No, and it goes on and on. And, and when I had kids, I will tell you when I had kids, my little daughter wobbled over, be, 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 boy, Buck. Maybe <laughs> you remember that robot from Buck Rogers. Gil Gerard, Wilma Deering, uh, Aaron Gray, was it, in her, in her tight pants? Whatever yep. her name was. That anyway, was her. you could read her lips. I mean, it was beautiful. Um, but... Um, my daughter walked over. You know, this stuff was hot glued together, plastic junk, meant to last for an hour or two while they filmed. Anyway, my daughter touched it fell to the floor. And I thought, that's it. I'm getting rid of all of it. So there is a spiritual thing that's happened. There is a thing with young men where you want to collect and, and you, you tend to think you get power from these things or it makes you important. And I used to think maybe a little bit of the magic would rub off. 
Sam Amarante, uh, Gacy's lawyer, gave me uh, Gacy's famous leather joke, uh, uh, jacket. If you, if you look at any Gacy footage, he's wearing this brown leather jacket. I had, I had his clown card college and some paintings. And animals would come in the house and freak out. Cats, their hair would stand on end. And I, I uh, as my twins were entering the world, I thought, I don't want that around me. And I, again, yeah. handed it to people. Yeah. Yeah, I used to be fascinated with that stuff. And I just, skulls and rock and roll and all that is cool. But, you know, I don't want any of it around me. I really don't. I want, I want bright and God and love. Uh, in in the real world, you mentioned Metallica. Yeah, uh, one of my. It must be good to be Mancow moments in recent memory. What when when he kissed me? When he well, no, I didn't know oh. that. But uh, I went to see Judas Priest. I hated it last year, and I was with a friend of mine who works for Metallica. So we got these sweet seats at the right. Rosemont Theater. I'm like, right. this is as good as it gets. I am, I am the best. I yeah. rule. And then I notice, couple rows up, to my left, there you are, and then Rob Halford. Thank you from the stage, which had to have been, you know, a crazy cool moment. I, I, I want to tell you, and I've, I've been there on stage in the Stones and the Beatles and very. I met three of the I met three of the Beatles. I didn't meet Lennon. Um, look, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you I, this is this is going to be unbelievable. And I'm not, or I wasn't the biggest fan. Do you know Judas is rising? Yeah. Do you know that whole that? I'm telling you, uh, Halford. First of all, is a very smart interview. Very a great interview. So he's an intelligent guy, um, unlike Motley Crue, which are some of the stupidest. I thought they were—I thought they were punking me. Uh, Eddie Van Halen's just just a miserable son of a bitch with his. Looks like he has chiclets in his mouth that are floating around. His teeth are all messed. up. Well, he's up. supposed to be nuts. Oh, right? he's just—he's yeah. just looking at you in a condescending way. Uh, look, I met a lot of great rock stars. The point is, what's the point? I've seen—I saw Van Halen front row. I've seen all these guys. Nobody comes close to Judas Priest, and I'm not a fan. His voice. And I'm not a fan. I don't know what it is. Look, he wobbled out on the cane kind of like Willy Wonka and then held the cane up ah! and screamed and the crowd went crazy. And the cheesy videos and the leather and the motorcycle that they pull oh, yeah. across the stage slowly. Uh, it's great. It is great. It's and great. His voice holds up. I, I mean, it's I, not embarrassing. I don't know what it is, but I just was mesmerized by that show. It was so great. Yeah. What was the first show you ever went to? Oh, my first show, I was uh, my, my brothers had to babysit me. You know, I, I saw Michael Jackson as a kid with the, with the Jackson 5, and I saw some other. But the first show, the first show was the Guess Who? The Uptown Theater, Kansas City, and uh, the smell of marijuana in the air. I didn't know what it was. That's so and funny. And I just thought it was awful. My father hated rock and roll. I grew up in a house where we listened to South Pacific and uh, things like this. Um, he hated Sinatra because he was mafia, and he made Italians look bad. So, I mean, really, Bing Crosby, that's the kind of stuff I listen to. My father hated rock and roll. So, as I... American woman! And I, as I listened to screaming, and it was so loud, and the equipment back then was so awful. My brothers are high and talking stupid, but I didn't know they were high. My brothers are 10 years older than me. And I just thought, oh, my dad's right. Rock and roll is awful. So, okay, how did you turn a corner? Like, well... What was that? No, album? oh God, oh brother, brother. The reason I'm here, the reason I got into radio. There's, there's one band. They played my wedding, you know, uh, and that's the Kinks. I heard Destroyer. If you've never heard it, everybody listening. I mean, it's a podcast. We've we got 14 people. Listen, all of you, go. It's f- easily 200. How dare that's you? That's awesome. All 14 of you, whatever. Go find Destroyer by the Kinks. From give the people what they want. Yeah, it, I, I heard that on the radio, KY 102 in Kansas City, and my mind was blown. And I, look, I've had a lot of songs touch, touch me in my life. Uh, I don't want to stop. The Ozzy song spoke to me. That's why I'm back in radio. It really spoke to me. Songs can speak to me. Lyrics speak to me. I found women that I fall in love with don't care about lyrics. I like the beat. He's cute. <laughs> Stupid. I like lyrics. Destroyer ripped through me. And I wanted to get into radio to meet the kinks. And, and I did it. That's amazing. That and was it. 
I love the Kinks too. I mean, that, that whole stretch yeah. of music, like Misfits, Sleepwalker. Well, you know, the true fans hate all that. The, the Arista true, stuff, oh, really? sure. The true fans hate the Arista stuff. They really, they really hate the MCA stuff. And uh, look, there's a reason. There's a reason that the Who and the Stones and the Beatles tower above Pink Floyd. Just in, in publicity and video and stuff like this, there's a reason the Kinks never got their shot. And I'm going to tell you what it is. And I say the same thing with uh, with Pink Floyd. They have, and, and and for the most part, except for Phil Collins, they have uh, with Genesis. They have no personalities. These are English mm-hmm. kids that were into their instruments. They don't have personalities. To meet Pink Floyd, to meet ABBA, I was with ABBA at the Waldorf Astoria. The band offered what a million dollars a show, a billion yeah. dollars to get back together, and they said no. I think it was a wise move, but zero personality. These are people. These were band dorks. These these people don't have personalities. So why did the Kinks never never get what they should have? Because their music was so good. They and and they were nasty. They were surly people. They were they, nobody wanted to help them. Like like the the career of Val Kilmer. I love Val Kilmer. Bad guy. I've heard the same thing about Ed Norton. Why 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 are guys like that that are they're better than Matthew McConaughey? But Matthew McConaughey is a nice guy. So he got pushed. Anyway, sorry. No, but that's no. why the Kinks aren't. Bigger because they were bastards. Rick Nielsen told me on the show recently that he really thinks that they lost a lot of success because people didn't want to deal with Bun E. Are you a Cheap Trick fan? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I look. I had Sticks records and Cheap Trick records when I was a kid. And, yeah. And uh, I think it's. I like it better now. I kind of did it because everybody else liked it, I guess. But uh, I think some of that Sticks stuff sounds better now. It does. Um, I, th- I was listening to the Grand Illusion the other day, and yeah, I thought it sounded it's amazing. Big and, and it's bold, and and uh, boy, some of those and that cheap trick stuff is great. And I, I just the members of the band collectively are just awesome. Other than Bunny, so it was super cool. They made it to the Rock Hall of Fame. Yes, I mean even as corporate and as political as that whole thing is, it says something. It's cool. It's neat. Yeah. Well, but you know they're in the same time as NWA, so what does it really mean? But look, I'm glad for them, and I hope they make some money. And Rick has always been cool with me, and. Tom uh, is great, and anyway, see, yeah. I can make a case for NWA long before Donna Summer. Like it didn't make sense to me when Donna Summer made it. I like that Giorgio Marauder stuff. I like that. I does this make any sense? I like Giorgio Giorgio Marauder, and I like John Carpenter. I love John Carpenter. No, does that make sense? What I'm saying? Oh yeah. I I uh, I, I I ended up somebody set up a dinner with me and John Carpenter, and I went out. Um, we went out, and he said they live. We talked, and he said, "Man, cow, they live." You know, that's what we talked about. They live. That it was prophecy. We're living in they live. Absolutely. And I have met people over the years. You don't want me to get into the shape-shifting talk, but uh, I've met people over the years that really believe a version of that. And I mean serious people. Something is going on. Uh, Evil is uncloaking. I don't want to get into it. And by the way, whenever I get serious on my show, I'm very upset because I really really do believe we're living in the final days. Uh, but I want to be a party for the final days. I think this is it. I think this is the end of it. Something has to give. And uh, I want to be the last show. I want to be the party. I, I want to be the band playing as, as the Titanic sinks. As the whole shithouse goes up in flames, uh, I really want to be the party. And that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, that, so, that's so existential. I, uh, whatever it is, when I get serious, it's a mistake. And I get, I get very angry at myself. What do you mean? You get, you get angry at yourself. I get angry at myself. People don't want to talk about drones and black helicopters. And they, they want to hear, uh, you know... They want to hear a joke in, in, in eight seconds and then uh, something silly. And, and I get it, man. It, it Look, this, this city's tough to live in. 
the fees, the fines, it's it's outrageous. The thievery. Now we've got politicians raping children. I've heard that my whole career, too, that, you know, to be one of those top politicians, you have to be a pedophile. It's a whole group of them. Uh, Denny Hassard should have a bullet in his feffing head. Uh, I think, I think once, you, once you cross the line and do something like oh, that to a child, game over. But I think they all do. I think I, I really do. I really do. I think there's such evil in charge right now, and it's such open corruption in Chicago. Uh, anyway, I think that my my job... My role in life is not to make them think, and if I do, I've made a mistake. Uh, it's not a family show unless you've got a really dysfunctional family. Uh, the show is there for, for adults that have to fight this city to have something to laugh at, to have a diversion, to be their co-pilot that makes them laugh. So as interested as you are in those intellectual pursuits, the, yes. how do you scratch that itch? What do you mean? If you if you don't talk about it on your radio show, if no, I go on Alex Jones show. I used to do a lot of TV. Um, you know, uh, I would do stuff with Jesse Ventura until uh, that whole thing broke with the American Sniper. I still like Jesse, but uh, I don't like that he's suing the widow of of Chris Kyle, the American Sniper. I think once a guy dies, you let the family go. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. He wants to prove a point, and I think there's more to the story than what any of us know. But uh, you know, look, I, not every itch has to be scratched on the air. You know. All right, so steering away from politics and that yes, stuff and the serious please. stuff. By the way, quickly, the most exciting political time that, that I know of, and certainly, and I know my history, in, in, in a long time, uh, Bernie Sanders, he was scripted to be the fall guy. He was the generals to the Globetrotters. Do you understand the Hillary camp picked him? He was crazy, kooky, communist, and they weren't expecting anything. He was supposed to, to make uh, Hillary look centrist. And, and go in. Donald Trump, remember how everybody laughed at him? So I love a world, I love a country where Bernie Sanders, yeah, and Donald Trump, yeah, are, uh, are fighting each other right now. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> and so concludes part one of my dinner with man cow uh we'll pick it up next week and if you like what you hear on carcone carne you think it's cool uh tell a friend the website is carconcarne.com also on twitter at carconcarne and uh, we'll pick this right back up with man cow next week <laughs>